so the reason that uh, you know that I asked you on today, you recently helped spark a debate between Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Elon, Elon Musk. Musk. Yes, that was, a, <laughs> yeah, that was so different. Tell us how that that went down. Talking to people about dark matter and neutrinos can be funny. Surely you're joking. Hopefully, yes. What a wonderful universe. Welcome to Surely You're Joking. I'm your host, Dr. Kevin Peter Hickerson. Uh, today we are joined by a very interesting writer, a business writer and technology writer, Gina Hall. Hi, Gina. Hi there. <laughs> Welcome Thank to the you. show. Happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, as usual, we are joined by Griff Pippen. Hey. Because he has nothing else to do. And, uh, uh, actually, <laughs> no, that's not Ryan. true at all, Kevin. Do you oh, want me okay. to go down my list of things I'm no, doing? All no, these I auditions don't. I have today? <laughs> yeah. How are those auditions working out? Are you Lyft's mascot yet? Did you notice that you have coffee stains all over your shirt and that you're an adult man? <laughs> Again, man. Griff, the, the audience can't see my shirt. So yeah, it, uh, yeah, it doesn't I'm glad work they can't, well. actually. We should, uh, Ryan, let's take some pictures of this and so the audience knows. <laughs> And what we're dealing with is 14 shoelaces going right. on. We should just change the theme of this podcast from science to Griff critiques Kevin Kevin's speak fashion. English right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very sad to say that for the, what is this, third time, we are not joined by Jimmy O. Yang. He is crushing his career so, so much. So hard. So hard. Good for him. In fact, he's even, today he's sick. I assume he got that from just making out with models so at the Game of Thrones premiere and all the other stuff he's been sharing on the <laughs> Uh, Lucky had, him. Yeah. Did so you see that going to the, to the Game of Thrones one? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's crushing it, man. Game. If you if you haven't watched Silicon Valley, it's a great show on HBO, and he's awesome on it. Speaking of Silicon Valley, Gina, you actually uh, that was a nice transition. Thank you. I'm <laughs> a welcome. segue master. Um, uh, you actually write for the Silicon Valley business, business journal. Business yeah, journal. I do. That's right. Yes. And uh, when I when I first um, talked to you, I thought you were just a uh, science writer, but that is actually that I read as I read more of your articles, I realized it was technology business. But that makes sense because those two topics are like almost interchangeable in yeah, Silicon yeah. Valley, especially in Silicon Valley. There's a lot of overlap with people with a really cool idea that's really t you know going to take things forward, and then they of course turn it into a billion dollar business idea, which is what I tend to write about. I tend to cover the Googles, the Facebooks, the Oracles, the kind of the really. I used to do a lot of uh, fundings for startups and, and write about what they were doing, but I'm a little more now into doing the the bigger companies. Oh, Have awesome. you heard of this guy, Jeff Bezos? I'm kidding. <laughs> he's did, not Silicon Valley, technically. Yeah, yeah he's, he's in, not uh, my Seattle, beat. Seattle, <laughs> yeah, I, did, I did the math on him. He makes $14 million in his sleep every night. Wow. I'd he, sleep really well if that were the case. He's lying. He didn't do the math on that. Yeah, he read it somewhere. No, no, no. Uh, he makes $15 billion a year. And if you do the math and divide it by three <laughs> and every night. One of my favorite memories of Bezos, aside from the time he called me clever and... Uh, is uh, there's a, during the 90s I, they used to have this skit or, or this segment on um, CNBC and they had his picture one time and they, they used to have this segment it was during the, the crashes just the non-stop crashes in 99 uh -huh. and they uh, they had the segment called the bigger, biggest losers of the day mm -hmm. and like there was a week where he was uh, one of the biggest losers <laughs> Jeff and Bezos there, one, I think he broke the record where he lost four billion dollars wow. in one day <laughs> and, oh, just, and just hurts. CNBC was just blasting his picture like saying <laughs> and yet he probably so didn't mean. even feel it you know yeah. he didn't even register on his well, Radar. Amazon almost 
I mean, they almost didn't survive that. I mean, if yeah, you I look mean, at they're, their... they're, are they still, are they even, you know, turning a profit yet? I don't even think oh, so. yeah. they're uh, the biggest, are they not the biggest company in the world right now? I, I didn't they, even know people were about. Their margins are razor thin. It's I didn't know really people cared about profit yeah, anymore. I thought yeah, it was it's just, just like, it's just scaling up. So he's, he's all about taking market share and, and eventually and just, yeah. you make profit. Yeah. I mean, eventually, but I'm, I mean, <laughs> I don't cover them as much, so I'm not even sure. I don't cover their quarterlies, so I'm not quite sure where they are. With How did he walk with 15 billion last year if they're not making that much profit? <laughs> like, I don't cover him much. Uh, follow up question. I know nothing about him, but <laughs> I just want to know that math adds up. <laughs> Look, Griff's but, yeah. just very happy that he calculated an overnight earnings and yes. it's uh, think about that. 14 million in your sleep every night. Oh, I bet my roommate had 6 million at one time and then lost it. So it doesn't oh. mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Caltech people that's make almost break worse that all the when time. you're just a millionaire to lose 6 million. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that would way be. worse. <laughs> Um, so, uh, do you watch the show Silicon Valley since you write about Silicon Valley? You know, the odd thing is, is I'm kind of waiting for it to all, I, I wait for shows to get an aggregate. Me too. And then Me I too. watch them all the yes. way through. So I watched the first season and I was uh-huh. devastated when Peter Gregory was going to, you fell out, obviously he, that's the character name of the guy that played the, yeah. And he obviously passed away and I was yeah, just devastated was really when they lost that character. Uh, and so I kind of fell off watching it at that point. So I'm go- I'm kind of waiting to watch it in full when when it finishes. Yeah, I re- I really liked his character a lot, and yeah. it's really sad that that happened. Uh, actually, that was one of Jimmy's first lines in the show was oh, to yeah. tell people that he died, that oh. the character died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of it. Yeah, I thought he was a great character. Not to bring the whole room yeah. down or anything like <laughs> that. But yeah. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin yeah. will always yeah. do that, so yeah. you don't have to worry. <laughs> no, the same thing happened <laughs> yeah. uh, with Game of Thrones. I just I I won't watch shows like lost and game of thrones until it gets approaches the end right but i got to the breaking point i was like okay we have to binge watch it and so we've been been like watching like five or six episodes <laughs> yeah. a night. No, that's kevin's yeah. impersonation of a leaf blower right now yeah. a great job. <laughs> are we picking that up is this oh great oh awesome oh well awesome. it happens yeah it happens you um but from your startup experience, wasn't did you find that uh, kind of creepily accurate though the show? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's odd how you know I follow a lot of startups in terms of how they kind of scale up, how they go out and for fundraising, and it's it's pretty accurate. I think Mike Judge is the showrunner mm-hmm. on that, so yep. he really knows what he's talking about, and he really knows he's done a lot of research. And I'm I'm not sure who his staff is, but they they've got it right. Yeah, he's a physicist. He's yeah. a sharp guy. Yeah, he yeah. was a physicist. That's right, yeah. San Diego. Yeah. So how often do you see these young entrepreneurs with these brilliant ideas for apps or tech, but they don't have the business skills or the people skills to back it up and grow it into this idea? I don't think it's kind of, again, like the show Silicon Valley. I don't think that matters as much because if you have a really cool idea, then someone else will take up the, you'll partner with somebody or investor will take it up. You have so many incubators up there now. So it just depends if you can at least communicate your idea and put the, you know, put something impressive behind it. Then there just seems like there's a lot of money up there. That's just willing. I I think it's the money's getting a little tighter now from what I can tell, but for a period of time over the last, I'd say like three or four years, it's like if you had an idea, it just seemed like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It just seems crazy how much money is flowing up there, especially compared to, you know, we're down here in Los Angeles and how hard it is to get people to invest in ideas down here in the creative community and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, Most so of my yeah. friends up there have like three startups. 
Yeah. It's like it's like party. It's, it's cocktail party talk. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like oh, how's your how's your uh, hobby startup doing? Oh, that's great, but you know I'm starting to focus more on my real startup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. totally. What yeah, it's and like. it's just and people are willing to throw money at that stuff, and it's it's crazy. So the reason that uh, you know that I asked you on today, you recently helped spark a debate between. Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Elon, Elon Musk. Musk. Yes, that was, a, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was so different. Tell us how that part. that went down. So, as a freelance writer, I get assigned. I, I I'm actually down in Los Angeles, but I get assigned stories up from Silicon or from Silicon Valley. They'll uh, be like, "Oh, we're following this. We're tracking this. Can you write something up on this?" So, my editor sent me the video that Mark Zuckerberg made over the weekend, which he was in his backyard in Palo Alto smoking meat mm-hmm. and just which rambling I on. He, I you know? assume he killed it he himself. He must have killed himself. Yeah. yeah. yeah right. <laughs> last year during his, yeah, was his thing. I, I couldn't make it through that video, by yeah. the way. I was just like, he wasn't yeah, ever getting he was just, to the yeah, AR part. He was just rambling. <laughs> so, that's my job. I, I suffer through for you guys. <laughs> and so, he's talking about meat for like 20 minutes and then he starts taking like Facebook Live questions. So, somebody asked him about artificial intelligence and he started in the 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 user asked it framed it in such a way that elon musk is warning against ai and elon musk has been doing that for quite some time and how do you feel about that mark zuckerberg so mark zuckerberg kind of goes off on it not in a like personal way against elon musk necessarily but kind of calls him out for being quote unquote, pretty irresponsible for trying to drum up fear around AI, pointing out that, you know, there's going to be self-driving cars, those are going to save lives, these things, you know, AI is possibly going to help cure cancer, which is all possibilities going forward. So I write up the story and, and of course, kind of framing it as Mark Zuckerberg calling out Elon Musk on his views on AI. So turn it in, you know, turn it into my editor. I go off and do some other things. Uh, and really don't even think much of it. And then the next day, uh, I wake up and uh, on my I, I, we communicate through Slack uh, on the for our editorial purposes. And on Slack, it's like Elon Musk talked about Eugene's article. So I'm like, uh, so I go to Twitter and I go because they didn't at mention me, so I wasn't getting all the Twitter oh, right, right. stuff. So, oh, right. Yeah, so I wasn't. He, I was. But he I was, was like, tagged. But he, he, yeah. he was tagged. Somebody somebody had retweeted my article and tagged him, Elon Musk, for it. And Elon Musk actually responded, and he responded actually to Silicon Valley Business Journal, and there was a huge back and forth. He kind of called out Mark Zuckerberg for not being well-informed about it. And so then this story got picked up by, like, TechCrunch and, like, CNN and all this stuff. It's this battle of the billionaires. So, And it, what it did is it kind of sparked a, a conversation about AI and the role of AI in the future. So it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. to watch that all happen. Well, since you uh, follow me on Facebook, you've probably noticed that I am not shy about criticizing yes. Elon Musk myself. <laughs> Sure. And I even get to the point where people approach me privately and say I shouldn't be critical of him because he's one of the good ones or something like that. <laughs> but I have my own strong feelings about uh, spa- the direction he was and promises he was making with SpaceX. I don't know if you've seen any of that. but I haven't seen it. I t- I, again, because my beats... Uh, Silicon Valley. I don't cover SpaceX as much, but I do. Oh, I, I'm familiar. That's, yeah, right. that's right. <laughs> <They're down here. laughs> I'm familiar. I'm not uh, completely well, ignorant. My of, main uh, issue with him on uh, with SpaceX is is his Falcon Heavy project, which mm-hmm. he claims is going to send people to Mars. And I've been critical of that because of his constant criticism of NASA's approach, SLS, mm-hmm. um, Space Launch System. Uh, but let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the AI thing. Okay. So uh, who do you think is right? 
<laughs> well, that's a hard one, but I guess I would, even with you're critical of, I guess I fall in between because I'm not as optimistic as Mark Zuckerberg that we don't need to, I mean, I, I don't think he doesn't, he's saying we don't need to talk about it, but I do think that AI is going to start costing a lot of jobs in the near future, mm-hmm. and it's uh, a lot oh, more yeah. <laughs> critical than I think he wants to portray it. Did, did you happen to see the the um, technology Flippy? You know, the yes, burger? your, your burger flipping, flipping thing that you yes, post. Yes, yeah, I, I do. worked briefly on <laughs> that. A friend of mine yeah. from school yeah. worked on that. Yeah. It's ironic. Everyone's like, we need to raise minimum wage. If you work at McDonald's, you get 15 an hour. I'm like, eh, that's adorable. It's not going to matter in a year. Yeah, Flippy's it, taking over your job anyway, so it doesn't really... I mean, you could potentially, with McDonald's, just have a couple of people working there, you know, in terms of flipping burger. I mean, people are going to be able to check themselves out, you know, be able to pour their own sodas. It's like the checkout at the at the grocery store. You don't need somebody necessarily to do it. And I don't think that people realize how quickly this is going to accelerate with self-driving cars. Because not only do self-driving cars put truck drivers out of business they're the only they put uber drivers out of business they put car insurance people out of business they put truck stops out of business you know all kinds of stuff 15 million jobs or something in just the auto industry like right away in the next five years yeah and that's yeah i I don't i don't want to speak for for zuck but uh i mean one thing i think he could see it as is that i've also noticed that ai does it it kind of replaces work for some people in that i mean it provides them with a new task because they have a new way to interact with somebody and the reason i say that i'm defending zuck on that side of it is his version of ai is using uh you know using his platform to connect people and have them doing new things Mm -hmm. and new interactions with each other not necessarily jobs but at least they're doing something sure i wouldn't be here if i was there for facebook i wouldn't wouldn't have connected (laughs) that's That's the reason we're doing the podcast today Uh and i love facebook and i think it's it's a fantastic platform but we also have to look i mean right on his own platform zuckerberg has a problem with the fake news yep and so when he replaced trending topics with an algorithm then you know you don't have those human editors that are curating those trending topics that are surfacing that are possibly influencing our election and stuff right. like that. And, so, and yeah. we have talked about the yeah. algorithm takeover yeah. for a while I've, um, uh, on the show. Uh, one of the things I've been saying a lot is that um, part of what scares me about the AI problem is that it's always been perceived in the past as sort of a, you know a, a central. Uh, evil consciousness that becomes a way you know the skynet a single brain that becomes and what i'm seeing instead especially being enabled by social media and just now youtube and even news channels do it you know because they're affected by it also is that a lot of times it's very innocuous algorithms working together organically in a way that doesn't necessarily um you know there isn't one on off switch right Um, yeah and i think the fake news one is very similar to that um because you know what what we're seeing with uh, with Twitter in particular is there's this weird cloud of you know people who have a political opinion and then people who are just trying to create you know algorithms that are trying to create clickbait. Right. Then you have actual malicious actors mm-hmm. who are deliberately trying to mislead people and make fake accounts that look like real people. Right. Um, and so what's what's uh, what's weird about it is that um, you know it's like a it's a cloud of things. It's not yeah, one yeah. central thing. So this is where again I'm gonna. I think I would. Uh, what I don't quite get is what what Musk thinks should be done about it. That's the part I don't understand. I think uh, you, I, what he's funding, or from what I've seen that he's funding, is right now they're funding a lot of 
think tanks and and raising the questions and and kind of coming up with what potential so there's not a whole lot of action being taken i don't think at Uh this point i think places like google and apple and him and they're coming together in in kind of a research capacity to figure this out because i don't think that they have all the answers because it it requires such a large it requires government intervention this requires so much that Mm -hmm. that it's in the infancy, but it's going to move a lot faster than I think he's saying it's going to move a lot faster than I think towards the bad side mm-hmm. than Zuckerberg is saying it's moving towards the good side. Except I think that was so funny though about that though. So I've, I've met with Adam D'Angelo, the first CTO oh, yeah, of, uh, yeah, and now, and now in Quora yeah. and his whole strategy with both Facebook and Quora, I think is really important to, to recognize something that Twitter doesn't do and Reddit doesn't do, which is it got rid of uh, um, anim- uh, anonymous users. Mm-hmm. And he, he, so one of the reasons he thinks Quora is higher quality things is because if you can actually prove someone is them, right. then it's their credentials that you're arguing with. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so what's funny is now, of course, now you have people trying to fake being real mm-hmm. and, um, you have to uh, when you try and fake them being real, you actually have to use AI to see if that's true or not. Because right. human beings, when you have billions of users, you, you know other human beings can't go through. That's part of the problem with fake news is that people spread a, like a legitimate idea mm-hmm. or uh, sorry, an illegitimate idea, thinking it's coming from one source when it's really not. Right. And so I, I think I feel like Zuckerberg might have a more positive view of it because he's seeing that side of it where they're using AI to try and get back to the original Facebook business model, yeah. which is like, like, can we at least know that we're talking about the same facts or the same people right. or something like that? And I don't think, I'm not looking at Mark Zuckerberg and saying, oh, you know, he's ushering, he's too optimistic. And I, like I said, I kind of fall in between and I definitely think, I mean, I love living in the future. I love my iPhone. I love ride sharing. I love all the stuff that's, that's coming in with this era. I think we do need to take a step in some some measured steps to figure out what we're going to do about these jobs and and who's responsible for these jobs is the government going to be responsible for stepping in and helping people that their jobs are just gone or is it going to be the apples and the googles that have you know 250 billion overseas that they're just holding on to and not going to pay a lot of taxes on these people are taking jobs and and what are the solutions to these problems we're just going to have to you know these are these are things we need to start organizing around now and we're sitting here arguing about building walls in Mexico and stuff like that, where there's some real problems that are going to be coming down the pipeline that are much more pressing. So. Well, you get, Trump's like, I'm going to bring jobs back for coal and everything. And yeah. I'm like, that's not, or I'm going to create jobs. I'm like, it's not, what matters is what's going on with, with AI and jobs being replaced with robots. It's an arms race, as they say, with us in China, who's building the robots and robots taking over. Like, that's what's going to happen with the well, economy. There's a, there's a great example with coal that just makes that whole side of the argument so hilarious that that it's you're going to bring back, back jobs with coal there's this robot in germany i don't know if you've seen it it's like probably about 10 stories tall and Jesus. it's a normal yeah and it's a it's shaped like a pinwheel i'll try and tweet out a um like a video of this thing mm-hmm. it's it's shaped like a giant pinwheel or a ferris wheel and then on each spoke is the dump truck sized you know uh the what do you call it the shovel of a dump truck oh yeah and this thing just spins and digs through dirt and coal and then it dumps it onto uh onto a conveyor belt and then it gets filtered and put into trucks Mm -hmm. and then driven off this this uh provides power for three power plants in germany wow it is staffed 
by 15 people. Wow. Yeah. That is, it's three crews working yeah. eight hours of five people. This robot is like, there's no mining jobs there. Right. Yeah. They're all the, the only job was the people who built that robot. And I'm sure they made a lot of money off that robot, mm-hmm. but the robot doesn't need, you know, there's not like a whole, there's definitely not hundreds of thousands of people sitting there chiseling away at mine. Five nowadays. at a time. Yeah. yeah. And this is wow. happening in yeah. the places where uh, there's still open uh, pit mining, like yeah. in West Virginia. The underground mining went away a long time ago. Those jobs went away because that didn't even energetically make sense. And what I yeah. mean by that is that... We're dying. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. it was there was a danger to it too, but that's not actually what stopped it. What stopped it is you have to pump out water and you have to provide a certain amount of airflow and you have to lift the physical material about it. And if you just compare about the basic physics of if you're pumping out a thing out of the ground... Um, you might as well just pump oil, which is why oil and natural gas and fracking replace coal is because it, the, the two objects have roughly the same amount of energy. Mm-hmm. And so the only way coal is still cost effective is these open pit minings. And those like that's what this kind of robot is for. It just it can dig a 10 story deep trench and it just sits there going all day, all the time. And it's kind of it's like one of the easiest things to operate. How long before those rednecks get replaced in the South and Oklahoma for those oil rigs? You know, roughnecks. How long before those roughnecks guys... Roughnecks or rednecks? <laughs> roughnecks. One's an offensive term. Uh, roughneck. Uh, how about what, when roughnecks get replaced oh, by that, AI? When is that going to happen? That's going to be pretty... Well, I, I, I think oil robots. rigs are also getting pretty automated, yeah. too. I mean, yeah. they don't require a lot of staff. There's and, a lot of these roughnecks, these guys that don't... They didn't pass the fifth grade, and they make about 100000 a year, and they spend it on meth, and they're huge trucks they do that dirty roughneck work on the oil rigs those guys are going to be gone like within probably a couple years yeah and it's it's also that particular type of work is very unstable is yeah problem it's uh and i don't think the- we also have to look at the fact that it's not just these you know coal jobs and even retail jobs or even driving jobs i mean lawyers are going to get replaced i mean you don't have you're not going to need somebody to do your basic you know, uh, contract work when you have a robot that can That's, pull that stuff up. I mean, there's going to be some nice lawyers. Lawyers are getting replaced. You're making it sound pretty good. Getting, journalists are going to get replaced. I, the stuff oh, that yeah, I do, absolutely. you know, is easy. Yeah. Some of it's easily done by. I mean, uh, I think AP already has robots doing earnings reports. That's something I used to do. Oh, the stock yeah. market and yeah. stocks being picked is already. Uh, and, and that white collar, you know, I mean, yeah, Wall Street. I mean, there's just a lot. I think we don't realize the scope, and that's. Scary. Going to happen a lot faster than I think we think it's going to happen. We had this a guest a- on that had a robot doing comp stand up. Not us too. I think uh-huh. the creative class is going to be one of the few protected yeah. areas. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think for a while. I mean, but That's even why they're I even moved looked- into comedy. That was the main motivation. <laughs> well, I was like, I'm going to go to what is going to be replaced overlords. the least, and yeah. then and do that. Although I've also heard that people are trying to figure out if, and I, I this is probably one of the easiest jobs to replace in Hollywood is screenwriting considering oh, that yeah. 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 very formulaic uh, uh, screenwriting you, know, you can basically just say this ha- you know there's a basic structure to all these movies yeah. and this happens here this happens here this happens here well stand up's one of the few worse. that won't be replaced by robots because a robot can get up there and tell formulaic jokes and be funny but that robot didn't go through the human experience when, I, when a human gets up there and talks about 
something crappy in their life that we can all relate to. It's relating to another human being. But you're the, assuming that a robot wouldn't be able to figure that out or simulate it. And I don't think no, that's they true. might be able to I simulate think, it, but I, they didn't go through that experience as a human being. I tweeted out this video. I don't know if you guys sit around watching YouTube because you're unemployed. You're probably not. But uh, <laughs> I, I watch a little YouTube because I write from <laughs> right. home. So, yes. so there's these these uh, you, you might have seen these. There's these like top ten lists and stuff like that. And a new thing now is that speech to text has gotten really really good, mostly mm. because of deep learning. Like there's been training uh, data sets now where you take an audio book and you take the output and the script and you get way better than even Siri or anything. You get mm. Because you get all these little weird human inflections that normal te- deep uh, text-to-speech doesn't do. Right. And so there's these new YouTube videos where people write out the text and then it's read by a narrator. Mm-hmm. And only occasionally do you hear like a random you know, error that makes it clear it's a robot. And just the more time that goes on, they're getting better and better. And I watched one just the other day and I could not tell, I mean, it, it, Sounded like a native English speaker, a perfect native English speaker, but there were so many grammar errors that mm. a person would never make, you know, like missing. Or maybe the person just was a really bad type typist yeah. and just the robot couldn't read Well, no, that's what I mean. I <laughs> yeah. think it was a robot, but okay. I couldn't tell. Right. I mean, wow. if you listen to this, I think you wouldn't be able to tell either huh. because it had a lot of human experience type of things like like uh, the narrator would giggle and, hmm. and say um, random, like almost like flirty colloquialisms like... Uh, like she'd occasionally say, "Next time you're on a date, right, guys? Ha <laughs> ha! Like stuff right. like that." And yeah. it was like, "Was that her delivery?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a super delivery. uncanny valley. Ser- that sounds like you, you on stage most of the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, Fifty bucks says you're gonna get replaced by a robot doing comedy before I do. I'm scared. Yeah. I could I could write a griff algorithm pretty easily. I no, think. it's not I hard to do. It'd be terrible. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was like, uh, let's program in the life experience. Yep, redhead from the south. Got it. We'll pull down me. You know, I'm worried. Not even as much about robots taking over and being evil, but like Elon says, so many jobs are going to be replaced in the next few years by robots. So uh, he has proposed a universal income. You know, does anyone have a better answer? Is what I've been asking. That's. I don't. Yeah. It. It seems. It seems to me that these companies that have so many billions that they're just sitting on right now, we should be talking about how they're going to kind of help alleviate some of this problem because I. I just. I don't have any. I don't have a better solution. If a you know, company I just don't creates know. a robot yeah. that kills, let's just say, thirty million jobs. This is a realistic scenario. Do they have? It's not really, you know, it's not, you know, it's not really their job to hand is out there an alleviate. Ethical obligation? Is there an ethical obligation yeah. to alleviate? This is these are real questions. You oh know, yeah, what do you they think? will be. What I, do you think? I think I think so. I think that when you have a company that comes up like a Google or an Apple, and you give them so many tax breaks, you give them so much leeway to do what they're going to do, and if they, you know, or like an Uber that just kind of, you know, plays fast and loose with regulation. They have an obligation at a certain point to pay that back to society and in, in terms of retraining people in, in other jobs if they want, if they're going to be creating a lot of coding jobs, I guess. I don't know if that's a solution, but there needs to be some sort of, I think we need to kind of rethink what it means to be a productive member of society. But that's why I, I was defending Zuck earlier. I mean, I feel like 
one of the things that we're being trans- transformed into is content creators. Mm-hmm. You know, not, maybe not necessarily good content. Right. And it's the bad <laughs> content is replacing what used to be good content. But I mean, at Zuck, you know, Facebook is very aware mm-hmm. that one of the first things that's important when you're when you're unemployed or you you don't have a th- a thing to do is there there is something for a regular person to do they can at least mm-hmm. entertain their friends and they sure. can talk to their friends and that's a so i i don't that's why i said i didn't quite understand what uh i didn't understand uh musk's version of that because i don't feel like he's providing for a thing for you know basic income is just the, well, the Facebook, money it's not I mean, the it's not the feeling valuable and feeling facebook useful. is getting a lot of our content for free let's be honest i mean yes you can formalize it and put advertising on it if you want to but that's for the most motivated out of all of us for the most part we're entertaining our friends for free on that platform mm-hmm. and they're taking advantage of it and and we and we willingly give our photos our videos our thoughts and they want they make the product so addictive that we keep coming back and you know we check i don't know what the average amount of checks is on facebook for each user a day but it's something it's rather large, if I remember correctly. So they're asking for our content for free right now. Now, if they were paying me for it, that's another mm. thing. But I'm not getting paid for every post I put up that keeps their platform going. I know okay, that. Okay, but here's the tricky <laughs> part. So this is this is extra circular. The peop- Once you start paying people for content, and this is what happens on YouTube, you start getting the robots making it. Mm-hmm. Because, the all, because then once that's the <laughs> paycheck, then all you have to do is pay a robot to replace it. So I feel like... To some degree, there's just going to be a point where, our you know maybe basic income to keep from being you know homeless and mm-hmm. unhealthy and stuff like that. You know if all your basic living needs are, I think being entertained with something. You know I don't mean getting entertainment from people. I mean feeling like you're entertaining people, even if mm-hmm. you get no paycheck from it. I mean sure. for being comedy, useful. this yeah, is yeah. yeah this is a per- perfect example of stand-up comedy. Griff and I do not get paid very much to do this. <laughs> and uh, most comics in LA don't because right. it is the most competitive place to do stand-up comedy. Sure. But I still do it because it's fun. Right. And I get something out of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it won't be much of a change for us. No, I mean, content, believe me, I, I come out of, of film school. I know that, that it's really hard to get paid to, to create content. And there's a bunch of or a bunch of people down here trying to you know, scrap a living. And there's a few people up at the top that make, you know, $20 million per movie. So mm-hmm. it's, I don't know if that's, it's, I don't know if it's ever going to be, you know, you're going to create content, but it's really hard. The more people that create content, the less it's valued. Yeah. I mean, it's even hard to get Hollywood stuff made because there's so much free oh, content absolutely. out there. People aren't going to the movie theaters as much because I can watch YouTube for free. Yeah. So it's really hard. Well, last year alone, I think they greenlit 600 TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the years when be- we had Alan Alda on, he, he mentioned like how it was so different now. He's like, look, when I was on MASH, there were 20 shows. Yeah. Like yeah. in the world, there were yeah. 20 shows. Now like there's like 20,000. Fivefold right. what it was a couple oh. years ago. Yeah. And from what I mean, I don't know everything. exactly what places like Netflix pay, but it's not, you're not, and that's what the big deal was with the writer's strike that almost happened or that they authorized. It's, you're getting a lot let you're getting a limited series and you're only being able to work you know you you're exclusive to that limited series for a short amount of time and but you're not getting paid that much mm-hmm. so it's getting harder and you may have a gap in your career for like two or three because sometimes you don't get hired on the next show for two or three years so 
it's really you it's it's become a gig economy even for people that you would expect to be writers that should just you know automate you know you expect them to be living the hollywood lifestyle that's not the case and again it's becoming the stratification where a lot of people can make a little bit of a living doing it but there's only a few people that are really making a living doing it. So the it's becoming gap is yeah. growing. And, and and Netflix has a lot of content on there. Like I was just scrolling through the other day and there's a lot of shows that I haven't even heard of. You know, it used to be just there was like House of Cards and Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. There's now so there's many. like there's especially, so many and you don't like comedy yeah. specials. Yeah. Oh my god. Like there's, there's a lot so of those. many yeah. comedy specials Tons on Netflix. Of them. Like uh it's almost like podcasts. <laughs> there's tons of uh, oh, we're far past the saturation point so yeah. when when we first met um online it was we were, you were working on a project um I still am in still Hollywood am. terms Great. uh <laughs> can you tell us about that project it's it's yes. personal because it's related to caltech, caltech but yes. uh, a while back i basically met uh mason you know mason porter yep. right mm-hmm. yeah and he had written or had contributed to or edited, I guess would be the term, him and Autumn uh, Lucian, I want to say. I don't want to mispronounce her, but she's lovely. And, <laughs> and uh, they, do had, I. they I don't had, mispronounce uh, <laughs> They had uh, edited Legends of Caltech version three. Mm-hmm. And I was incredibly interested in optioning that uh, for a movie version because I think so basically what it is is the chronicle of all the Caltech pranks that have mm-hmm. happened over the years and you guys have a really unique uh, take on just the whole college experience first of all mm-hmm. which I found fascinating and that you guys prank each other in these high tech ways I was supposed to do uh, some brilliant pranks with that <laughs> you not only so prank you... between houses you guys prank between you guys in MIT mm-hmm. you know it's, it's a yep. really rich world for uh, ideas and stuff like that yeah like so, a, yeah. one of the famous examples was um, changing the uh, UCLA USC game at the right. Rose Bowl which is like a very that's a what? big do well so they were they were USC and UCLA always play at each Rose other Bowl, and right. they have their own rivalry between the yeah, two fight on them a USC yeah, Trojan yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and they get rid of the uh, they change they keep switching the bell that they have between the two schools anyway uh Caltech and MIT are not known for their football skills, <laughs> and they also have their own rivalry. So what they did uh, one year was during the game they uh, they changed they hacked the scoreboard to instead of saying US, UCLA USC they had it Caltech winning over MIT. So that's <laughs> yeah. one of the famous ones. Awesome at the Rose Bowl. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one was awesome. was it the Wisconsin game that they did that they got the cards? Yeah, thing? so right. the big yeah. card the, trick that the, they do that you know how they do those giant card tricks sometimes they used to do them a lot more in like earlier era football. Where, where where everyone in the stands would hold up a card. Right. They, and it would spell they something. That by yeah. trading out the gotcha. cards. And so they hacked it by trading out the cards and they made it spell Caltech. So it was supposed <laughs> to say, you know, it, it's it's quite an amazing prank, you know. And they've also they've also gotten to the Hollywood sign where they yeah. made the Hollywood sign say Caltech. Yeah, in the middle of the yeah. night they they covered it up so in the morning it said Caltech. I mean, it's an amazing it's it's amazing the process that you, mm-hmm. you that you have to go through to make something like that happen. I don't think people think that how it, that happens and what an and endeavor it, that is. If you've seen the movie Real Genius, yeah. a lot of the parts in the beginning are based on real uh, that movie is essentially based on Caltech. That's called Pacific Tech in yeah, the movie, tech but tech. it's yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. but a lot of the scenes including even the decoration of the housing uh, is very similar to what it yeah. actually looks like. And the like. steam tunnels and everything. Yeah, the steam yeah. tunnel. A lot of those things are real. Like yeah. there, there are real secret passageways to the steam tunnels. Like you can. There's, there's certain there's places. Secret things at Caltech yeah. underground. Yes. Yeah. There's a whole <laughs> tunnel are. system. Um, that was one of the first. It's kind of funny. One of the first introductions I had to Caltech uh, 
somebody introduced me to somebody who was going to take me through the tunnels. So me and my husband, it was actually our, our like fifth anniversary or something like that. I'm like, would you like to go look at the steam tunnels down at Caltech? It's <laughs> like, sure. So I've we been drive out to pass one, one time. <laughs> oh God. Tunnel. Yeah. How yeah so you, you go. Uh, yeah. very, all sorts. <laughs> all levels. <laughs> so we met this kid at, uh, at the, one of the houses and he, he takes you like, we start going down and he takes us all the way through. There's like murals down there. Mm-hmm. There's just all kinds of, Oh my God. You it's, probably it's met a mole. That's probably I met, it was too. probably a mole. Yes. Yep. That I think and, which they also reference yes. the same moles and trolls in the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's a direct reference. Uh, but yeah. And so the, the movie that we're, we're conceiving is, is similar to real genius, but maybe we call it a little bit more like realer genius. <laughs> it's, realer it's, genius. it's a little more authentic. Cause it's going to be actually, actually on the we'd love to we'd love to film on the campus if we could and and just really the the struggle is is raising financing (laughs) so anybody listening (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it's also hard to get anything done in this era that's not a superhero movie that's not uh (laughs) you know something challenge and and i also think when i first started i was just imagining just writing it because kind of the common wisdom starting out was if you're a first-time director and especially if you're a woman you're not going to get anything true through. So it was true. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's hard. It, like people didn't even want to have the conversation. And so it hasn't been till lately that the conversations changed greatly about first time female directors and people, you know, writers. And, and I think that we have, we're kind of reframing the script a little bit to modernize it a little because just since the time we've written, the technology's changed vastly. So, yeah, we're trying to modernize it a little bit and uh, just try some different strategies with it. So I think, you know, we're, we're, we're well, fingers I, <laughs> I would absolutely love to, to help with it and uh, help um, consult for it. I love oh, yeah, that. we'd love to have, yeah. In fact, if it includes it. recreating them, that would be really fun, although that yeah. might be Kevin's expensive. Kevin's probably pretty good at this, like, pranks. Did you pull a lot of pranks in college? I, you know, I not really, because I'm not really a pranky kind of guy, but I certainly, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I participated in solving some of the pranks. Um, that wasn't really my thing, but... Um, I we met, yeah. It's still fun to have them. I mean, we, yeah. there's also, sometimes they're not pranks so much but there's a lot of ingenuity going into very weird directions like a lot of energy put into strange projects like flooding courtyards and turning like things that are not supposed to be swimming pools into swimming pools and and that's what we loved about it we love the spirit of it and we love the spirit of the the school actually because it's something that's seen as an educational opportunity it's it's a way that kids put their classroom learning you get into, hired off yeah. of one of these pranks. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of it one gets, of those things. Uh, it's gotten yeah. harder recently. I've, I've heard. heard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, somebody I used to work with participated in the McDonald's prize prank, which is also mentioned sort of in Real Genius. This is where they... they uh, this was a prank. This was legitimately a thing to win prizes. So uh, McDonald's had a, had a prize uh, out there where you could... Um, it said, you know, you could mail in any number of, of uh, printed cards... Well, they didn't say hand printed, so <laughs> they set up a bunch of ma- uh, doc matrix printers in the in one of the <laughs> student houses, and they just had thousands of them just nonstop printing out entries, and then mail, and then the entire house got together and they like put stamps on it and mailed it in, and they had calculated <laughs> that the payoff would pay for the printers and the postage because they knew what <laughs> fraction of the prizes they would get. 
And <laughs> McDonald sued them for this. They're like, no, you cheated. And all they had to do was go in and read the definition of the dictionary, what print meant. And it said, <laughs> including transferring from a, one of the definitions of print was from a computer. So McDonald's dropped the case <laughs> right away. And from now on, all if you go and look at the, the requirements for any kind of, uh, you know, game, uh, what do you call that? A game... Uh, game oh, thing the, yeah the, it always now it says hand printed and right. one per household or something like that <laughs> yeah. i was part of a prank in my university so i i still to this day it's a mystery that it happened so we have this giant web server where all the emails and everything go out to every all thirty-five thousand students at my university somebody starts an email that blasts all the students it says danny tippins he's one of my pledge brothers he goes danny tippins uh is enjoying uh, danny tippins loves to look at lord of the rings porn or something and it blasts <laughs> out to all thirty-five thousand students and he's like well danny finds it and everybody in our house everybody who knows sees it like what the uh. fuck he immediately i'm the prankster in the fraternity he's immediately like griff you did this <laughs> so he's like hey he means to message me on that griff this isn't funny don't do that and that blasts out to everyone, everyone at the university and then some dude tries to respond to danny and me just both of us saying guys this isn't funny that blasts to everyone and then every time everyone emails trying to get in contact with both of us it blasts to everyone and they shut down the email server for three days i get a bunch of hate mail and a bunch of fan mail i don't know what to do with this to this day a bunch of people thought i pulled off this elaborate prank still have no idea but it went kept going like no griff pippin everyone's like i'm in the middle of this griff pippin started this prank and danny tippins is into lord of the rings porn and we still to this day don't know who pulled it off i don't know anyone in oklahoma smart enough to pull that off and so to this day it's a a mystery like why who would have started that and like we don't know but somebody hacked and there and just like shut down the email server and it was lord of the rings and me right in the middle of it <laughs> if i had been there i would have told him that it couldn't have been you yeah i know I you would have, have you, but no, griff's not smart griff does not have the technical no. skills <laughs> and he barely knows how to use twitter so uh, his password tough. is password <laughs> <laughs> of course all right well uh gina thank you very much for being on the show it's been a it. huge it fun. pleasure yeah. um is there anything you want to, or place people can contact you, like Twitter handle? Oh, or yeah, I'm at, at Capra underscore girl, as in like Frank Capra, who also went to Caltech. That's right. Yeah, and <laughs> so, very sad yeah. story, his house burned down. Well, we don't oh, need to get into that. Amazing. Let's not end on that note. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Jesus, <laughs> Kevin. Contact info. Yeah. I'm on Twitter at Capra girl. Uh, yeah, so you can find me, Gina Hall. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much. And any op-ed oh, uh, yeah. columns or articles <laughs> that we should look out for? Yeah, coming up. I think I'm starting yep. any uh, battles between any more billionaires this week, but you know, you know, maybe look out, you know, between Google and Apple, Tim Cook, and <laughs> next time you do, please give me a heads up sure. because I that I found that getting in arguments with uh, famous people is the absolute best way to get more Twitter followers. <laughs> yes. So, oh, and I'm cool. always trying to do that for purely selfish yeah. means. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm sad that, that they didn't at mention me in this whole endeavor because it's like I got no Twitter followers out of this, ah. <laughs> you know. So it's just they got so, but Silicon Valley business. Journal did so lucky them yeah <laughs> thank you very much thanks yeah